Is that a new rating? He glitched a little bit. So, with all the talk about aliens, I figured the movie Science, a 2002 American sci-fi horror movie produced and filmed and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. My name is Ray. This is Movies on the Mountains. I'm Laguetta. And you're not. All the controversy that's been going surrounding all the UFOs, I figured this would be a great movie because it was one of my UFO all-time favorite movies. Not just solely because Mel Gibson's in there. What about you? How do y'all feel about this movie? Yeah, I totally agree with you there. It's keeping up with the times pretty well. All of the alien stuff coming out and the videos that are showing it but not showing it, that ties in pretty well. There's always been aliens on the horizon, it seems like. Lately, it's been more so. And yeah, science does have a lot of tie-ins to some of the stuff that's currently happening, including the resurgence of crop circles. Yes, that's another reason I wanted to bring it up, because uh, new crop circles are being discovered. The first ones in, what, 25 years? Yeah. Something, something like that. Something it's like been that. a minute. I mean, I'm not too savvy in that era, but yes. So the movie, I mean, they're already making memes about this movie where they had the what you, the other footage of the Las Vegas footage. Right. And they got the, what's his name? Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix. And they're like, move it, niño, move it, niños. And they show, because they show the video of uh, uh, the <laughs> Vegas and the kids are on the way. So yeah. it's a perfect meme for it. And all these memes kind of are so nice and fit together nowadays. Right. Like, there's that one scene in Signs where they're watching the UFOs in the sky on the TV, and then it's at night, and you see them, they look like stars just hovering, right? And during the daytime, they're like, well, I guess they're gone. They're not there anymore. And I think it was Joaquin Phoenix's character. What, what was his name? Was it? No, Meryl. <laughs> Meryl Huss. Meryl. Meryl I think it was Meryl was like, they're still there. They're still there. They're just, we can't see them. I think that's who ended up saying that. I believe so, yeah. There's been reports of that here recently, hasn't there? Where they're here one minute and then they're gone the next. Yes, and even during the daytime, they're, sh- they're actually getting footage of them where like this clear ring, kind of like a reflection of the lens is kind of expanding. But it, it's solid, no matter if they zoom in or out, they can still see the outside ring. I believe there's even been a video out there, I think I saw it on TikTok actually, where a bird is flying midair and it just crashes into something and like falls to the ground. Yeah, like that could be also one of the movies, because I've seen that in multiple movies. Have you? <laughs> so it could be like one of those mo- the, one of those things where they cropped it and made it seem like it was realistic, but in real life Well, I mean, it's that not. could happen too. It could, I mean. Bird hey. cameras malfunction every day. <laughs> <laughs> Birds are not real, people. <laughs> it was a bird drone trying to get back to its home planet. (laughs) So, honestly, the characters, Mel Gibson, he was a father, Graham Hess, former priest, and Joaquin Phoenix, his name was Merle Hess, he was a younger brother. He also had younger kids like Rory Culkin. Rory Culkin. Yeah, Rory Culkin, which was Morgan Hess. Uh, He was a son. Which, fun fact, Rory Culkin is Macaulay Culkin's brother. Really? Yeah. Ooh, Trivia. I didn't know. <laughs> and then we also had Abigail uh, Breslin. Breslin, which was Bo Hess, which is the daughter. 
So what do we think about these characters? These are really the main characters in this whole movie. Well, as one of our close friends had pointed out, there is a very strong connection with Mel Gibson's character being on the autistic spectrum. Just how he reacts to situations and his very deadpan way of speaking throughout most of the movie. What do you think? I could see that as well. But at the same time, you got if you watch the whole movie... A man that's seen his wife, a long-time love, literally almost cut in half. Yeah, And is barely much. surviving, saying her last words instead of saying, I love you, and kind of hope for him. She said other words that, at the moment, he didn't understand what they meant. It, it does do some kind of trauma damage to you. I mean, you choose your words more wisely. You're also fighting the religious aspect versus the reality and science aspect, because now aliens are happening. So is there really a god? I mean, what kind of god would put that kind of test in person where they're even bringing aliens and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, because he's been taught a certain way his entire life, I'm sure. And No, I I don't disagree with you there. You know, I, I bet I could also see what you were saying. Of, what was it? Autism? Or... Yeah, I, I think he's somewhere on the autistic spectrum. You know, I could see that, especially with the younger sibling. Was it the son or the daughter that had the more? The daughter. The daughter had more of it, you know, where she would drink water and have weird taste about it because her, you know, her That seems like bacteria. more OCD tendencies a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I would say it's a little bit of both. A little both? That's showing definite psychological ticks, but that could also be due to, you know, extreme stress or extreme change. Her mother just died. She's adjusting to just having her father. Her father's not that great at communication, right. it would seem. They've all um, been through severe trauma. They've, they've all been through severe trauma. He is probably the most traumatized because he spent the last minutes with her. Now, was Meryl the wife's brother or Mel Gibson's brother? Mel Gibson's brother. Yeah, Mel Gibson's was brother. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that they did a good job of portraying how something like that takes a toll on one's psyche. That is a good point. I mean, they really, M. Night Shyamalan really shined a light on it. Like You know, before that movie came out, you had some movies that hit on that and everything, but this one really kind of made you feel for the main character, even though he's kind of cold, off-putting individual. But then whenever they do the flashback, before he, whenever he was in it as a pastor, he seemed warmer. He seemed um, easier to approach, more more comfortable. Right. Um, I mean, even his son played characteristics where he was taking care of the daughter. Yeah. To that point where the father wasn't there, he was the he was playing the father figure in Bo's in Bo's eyes. Right. You're right. He was playing the father figure because Mel Gibson's character, he kind of just checked out. Yeah. He withdrew into himself, and it took aliens to kind of bring him back out. <laughs> True, but like <laughs> everything happened for reasons. That was yeah. the moral. Of the what was the moral of the movie that I got out of it was everything happens for a reason. You're right. Everything's being said for a reason to lead you certain path. Yes, you could derail here and there, but everything's pretty much set in stone. Because I think this, the what most this movie I got out of that movie. The most heartbreaking moment of the entire movie is when he's trying to, you know, comfort his children, but they're living in a reality is the dinner scene where everyone got their own favorite meal. Oh, yeah. And he's trying to comfort his children and his family during this unknown time. And the kids are like, we got to prepare. We we got to talk about this. We, we can't just put our heads in the sand and pretend that everything's okay because you made me my favorite meal, you know. They're not saying that, but you can feel that's what they're feeling. And then he yells at the kids and the son comes up to him and hugs him and he's like, it's okay, you know, comforting the dad at that point. But the dad even... <laughs> 
Like, Mel Gibson's so character. Sad. Mel Gibson's character grabs his fork and stabs the the food and put like he's puts it in his plate and starts eating it. I know because he's sitting there like, well, you know, screw me, running. You know, I'm trying to do the dad right thing here, and you're all you criticizing the, me. You feel the frustration yourself whenever that happens, and especially now with me as a father, I, I feel the frustration whenever the kids don't want to eat at times. And it's like well, you don't want to eat, and I've been your mother slaved over this. You know, well, fine, I'll eat. I don't care if it tastes a little <laughs> salty. <laughs> but then he realizes how over the line he went. Yes. And he's, he breaks down, finally. Yes, he finally lets it out. And I think that's whenever they, their relationship as a family starts at its uh, pivoting point. Yeah, it shifts. Yeah, and they start seeing more. Like, they start trusting each other a lot more. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. the most simplest. But M. Night Shyamalan, he does that with a lot of movies. He scares you to death, but then he brings it back to your basic needs, which is family and trust, and we have to go past this obstacle and hurdle together. Well, also, this is one of M. Night Shyamalan's so that movies that it goes directly into the plot. It does not... Yes, it, does. It, it doesn't. It doesn't give you much of a back story or anything like that. You know, they wake up, the crop circles that's happened in their, on their land. Their kids are, for some reason, out there screaming. They, was it the kids or the dogs? It was the dogs that were barking, but the kids were out there chasing the dogs. Oh, were Because the adults, apparently, you know, weren't... Well, Dad's having a mental breakdown hey, in the was, barn or what, something. What was the what was the the brother doing then? He's having a mental breakdown too. He's sitting there stressing about his failed baseball career. I mean, didn't he quit the, his baseball to comfort his brother? If not mistaken. No, it's something happened. I want to say it's because he kept on striking out. Yeah, because I, I know he, he had a high strikeout. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, because he's cause... like, oh yeah, you can hit one really hard, but it takes you so many strikeouts, and he uh, at, whenever he signed up for the military. Yes, mm -hmm. he was trying to be in the army. Yeah, and then he like mm, buffs up to the guy. Yeah, and that was a great <laughs> That's another thing about M. Night Shyamalan. He has those little funny moments like peppered in. Yes. You know, where you can kind of not be depressed the entire time. Yeah, a little... <laughs> Yeah, a little relief there. <laughs> but yeah, that's why the wife kept on saying swing away. Yeah, that's right. Before we get too far, I have to point out one thing that I really kind of have a problem with. What's, What's that? that? That is the fact that he had them... I get a real War of the Worlds feel Ooh. from this story. Yeah. Um, this this hyper-advanced civilization has come to Earth to potentially invade, because apparently it's a global thing that's going on, and we figure out how to defeat them with water. Yeah, you're right. Do you see the hubris? Yeah, because that happened in War of the Worlds, too. How... Well, with War of the Worlds, it was microbes. It was it was germs. But the same thing, the water held the Cause germs. Because they were sucking up the water from the lakes and rivers and stuff, and then they, like, turned red or something. Right, they, they got sick. Yeah. Um, and they died mm -hmm. very rapidly. Um, it, it's, it's a very similar feel to that as, you know, this super advanced civilization has come down to do this, and they were taken out by something so small and... and unprepared for like that doesn't make that doesn't jive what was right. the name of the movie again uh, War of the Worlds War of right? the Worlds yeah there's no. two movies there's the original and there's the remake from 20 
2005 with Mel Gibson. Oh, wow. Yeah, what? it was a 2005 with, uh, I mean, not Mel Gibson, sorry, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Sorry, sorry. I'm so still like, on science. I don't think that was <laughs> We're on Mission science. Impossibles. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it, it reminds me of that concept a little bit um, because of how once they figured things out, it was just easy to defeat them. Like... Again, that doesn't really jive. So. And why is it always water that defeats them? Well, a common concept or theory is that water would contain biological entities, um, right. microbiological bi- guys. Um, but so would our air. But humans are also made up of like 70 or 80% water. Yeah. And they pluck us up all damn time. Right, but the water in us is more processed and used for different things. Yeah. Like, we don't have just raw water. But but we do have a lot of bacteria. Exactly. Um, in our systems, in our mouths, in our GI tracts. Even on um, the top of our skin, everyone yeah. has staff uh, running through them all the time. More, more or less. You know? There's, there's the stuff under your fingernails and on oh, your gosh. hands. You could drive yourself crazy. Your, yeah, oils from your face and skin. We're turning so, into Abigail Brinson. <laughs> so... Uh, science was in 2002 and World of Worlds was 2006 so basically so it was the other way around World of Worlds got their their, got their concept from science that would be true except for the fact that Orson Welles original World of Worlds was in 1920 it is a book as well that is true yeah so Uh, I mean it's the same kind of concept with just a religious yeah because I mean I'll admit I have not read the book and I haven't seen the 1960s version of War of the Worlds 1960s my bad not 1920s yeah, that's a little far. A little far. <laughs> a little far. But I have not seen that one, so I, I don't know for sure. Someone would have to look that up. What ended up defeating the alien invasion? It was the same thing. Water? It was, well, yeah. no, microbiome. Micro, micro, yeah. yeah. Microbiomes or okay. microorganisms. Do you um, think it's so ironic and weird how coming into nowadays alien creature feature movies... The aliens are hostile, but you go back to Close Encounters of the Third Kind and even E.T., they were not hostile at all. They were curious, and they were like, yeah, Close Encounters of a Third Kind, they abducted children and elderly people and all kinds of people, but they brought them back, and they communicated with the I guess, government that was trying, you know, the that they did on the keyboard, mm-hmm. communicating through music. And then look at Cocoon in the 1980s. They were not hostile aliens, but they were, you know, like turning people, the elderly, into pod people. But they weren't hostile. True. Sorry, I went on a <laughs> little thing there. I just started thinking about it. <laughs> I guess I gotta rewatch some of those other movies uh, yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> this is the only movie that's got fresh in my brain right now, just because of the, all the aliens. Like I was saying, of t- a TikTok and stuff like that. So I definitely need to look at more, more alien movies besides just Alien versus Predator and stuff like that. <laughs> those are great movies, though. <laughs> the original Alien? Are you kidding me? But uh, out of the whole movie, what was y'all's favorite jump scare scene? 
Minnie. The fingers under the door. Fingers under whenever, the door. Whenever okay. they were looking and all of a sudden the fingers came through under the door and I was like, ah! And he chopped them off with it. I was like, a, yes! That's a good jump scare. What about you, Laguera? Um, hmm. Well, I mean, there is the obvious one, but I will not name that one because it's too obvious. But, um... I'm probably going to name it. You probably will. <laughs> I'm leaving it for you. <laughs> I really don't know. I'm trying to think of another good jump scare, but the one Minnie just mentioned, that scared the hell out of me. I'm not going to lie. Okay, so... Oh, I have one. Okay. I'm sorry. They're in the basement, and yep. the hand... Yep. Oh, yeah. The hand, hand grabs the boy, and yeah. it makes him go into an asthma attack. That, yeah. that messed my world okay, up. Okay, so you just grab mine, so I'm going to go I'm for... I'm sorry! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for the other one. I had two playing just in case the situation happened. Oh. But my other one, honestly, is going to be the most iconic one. It was uh, the, uh, the news scene where... They are panning into this, uh, what do you call it, this kid's birthday, and then they see something in the bush. They run over to this next window, and all you see is a bush, and then, like, a wall, and then a street. And all of a sudden, this alien just walks across. And for that split second, my heart dropped, and I couldn't speak. I couldn't say anything. All I, The internal me was screaming like a little 13-year-old girl seeing NSYNC for the first time. <laughs> But Backstreet Boys for life. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't do anything about it because I was I was terrified. I was like, "Oh crap!" It looked real. It looked very real to me. It was it was very well played at the perfect time because you're like you were, you were expecting it already, but at the same time you weren't expecting that or it to turn around and stare at the camera. You were expecting, like, a glitch-type situation. Yeah, or a really quick, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, cartoon, just a quick flash kind of thing. Yeah. We weren't expecting Green Bigfoot to walk across the damn camera. <laughs> right, it did have the Bigfoot walk. It did, it had that I swagger did. to yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, it did that, the whole arm and everything. That's funny. They're in cahoots. <laughs> I'm sure they are. But, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I was not expecting to see a full frontal alien walk across the screen, the screen. But I was expecting it, like you to see an arm or a hand, like what Minnie just described, the hand under the doorway, you know, and they chop the fingers off. You're expecting something small like that. But then you see this full person, alien, just, hello. Exactly. Oof. I don't know. I feel like if something like that were to happen, uh, the chances of us being able to defeat them with water guns is probably not very realistic. Um, <laughs> hey, we do. We have the really cool ones now where you can charge them up and to 100. And Super soakers. Yeah, like they're electrical yeah, now. Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, you could use those. I mean, they're assuming that they're uh, We'll get them with those salt guns. Assuming that they're susceptible to water. True. That's that's a big if. That's a big if. <laughs> that's going to be sorry for that guy. That is going to be like, hey, go out there and hit him with this. What? <laughs> Pump it a couple times. Right. <laughs> Give it some force. Oh, gosh. So that failed. <laughs> but didn't the water kill E.T. as well? Did it? Well, remember they found it. He's all white. Looks like a dog turd in the river. That's because he was cold and wet. Yeah, he was the already water he killed was him. sick. No. The, water didn't, uh, the water will kill anybody. The water will kill you. <laughs> you stay in it long enough. I mean, probably. But I won't turn like... White. Yes, you will. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> I'm already <Maybe>. there. <laughs> I'm 
I'm halfway there right now, okay? <laughs> I mean, you could adapt over time, spending, you know, set amount of hours in the water every day and extending it over a course of however long to get the effects that you want because there are people that live on the ocean um, or, or big, large bodies of water, and they go diving or swimming every day. And they have adaptations that allow them to be a little bit better. Their webbing in their fingers is a little bit thicker. They can hold their breath um, a lot longer than hold normal. Breath longer. Almost three uh, minutes, I think, is like, like the record or something. Like wow. They've tested some of these people that, that dive on the coastal ocean. Yeah. And uh, they do it all their life, and, and they've tested them to find that two things. Number one is their oxygen uptake by their blood is much higher than normal people right uh the other thing is they also exhibit some signs of brain damage mm-hmm. because the extended oxygen deprived does cause uh that over time what right. about the pressure too so, well the pressure's not helping anything okay yeah because i seen this one diver on um, this video and he's diving with the bottle a regular plastic bottle that's just empty and as he's diving in the deeper he gets this you know you can see it getting crunchier and crunchier until it gets to like I can't remember the number of depths, but he gets really far down there, and it's literally like a little ball in his hand. Wow. And it's just like, just Just imagine, the pressure. Yeah. So imagine that in your earlobes and your brain. Oh, well, no. yeah, I mean, look at the... Your eyelids. The submarine that just crushed on itself. Yeah. You know, that's exactly what you're talking about. Just like a Coke can just crushed, mm-hmm. you know, in a processor or something. Exactly. Oh, that's so scary. So uh, we never talked about it. Uh, talked about it too much, but on the opening scene, how did y'all feel that M- did M Night M Night Shyamalan M Night Shyamalan do a good job by just forcing us in straight into the story, or should have he have done more of a backstory? I don't into think it? with his style of directing and writing that there could be a let's ease into it by going into a backstory because he goes by puzzle pieces so often in his movies Mm -hmm. to where you have to watch the whole thing to fully see the whole big picture. Gotcha. So, like, with the wife, it kept on, you know, showing flashbacks with Mel Gibson walking up to the wreck and the deputy keeps telling him, it's not good. It's not good, Graham. Don't go any further. Like, she's still alive, but she's not there. Yeah, and how many of those flashbacks did he have? Like three or four? There was about he, three or four. Before he finally got the whole story? He's like, man. Yeah, because at that point, you're already questioning what the hell is wrong with this little girl in the water cups? What's going on with this boy? Why is he so into the aliens and he is so, like, asthmatic? He has big problems. What's going on with Merrill over here? He's a washed-up, you know, baseball player. And what the hell is going on with Mel Gibson? He used to be a pastor, and now he's so cynical and cold. Mm-hmm. And then you finally, at the end, realize this is why they are the way they are. But also, Mel Gibson's character is not cynical and cold. I mean, he's st- even though he said, I'm not a priest anymore, he still stood there or... or but he's, and listen to their stories. He did, but he was so cynical and critical of the children the entire time. And then it even got worse when Meryl started believing the children more. True. But at the same time, it's like you're, you as a father are trying to sh- shelter them from that kind of s- situation so they're not scared. And here's the, the brother, which is enabling that situation more. So He's the other adult. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. understand Mel Gibson's frustration as well in that situation. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying with that. 
but he just he could have been a little more open i feel instead of that's the scientist's name in the book seriously <laughs> and the son's like well i'm not gonna even show it to you if you're gonna act like that and i totally get that how many times have we been treated like that by an adult when that, we were kids that is true many. yeah that is way true. too many but you know I don't know. I could see both ways. It's, <laughs> yeah, I could it, it's hard. It's hard. It's, uh, now, now that I've been in both situations, yeah, I could, I could definitely see both ways. Yeah, you definitely got to look at both sides of the coin on that type of situation. Like, you, you were the parent, but also you have to remember to have, like, what is the word, empathy or understanding more? Because your children are people. Not only that, but um, the younger son's character, the way he said, like you said, he said it. I'm not going to show it to you if you're not going to believe it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That was that was well put. I mean, if he was to be in, like, you know, normal, like, oh, fine, here, kind of give it to Dad, or the opposite of running away and just crying about it, instead he stood up and he's like, nah, if you don't believe me, I'm not, I'm not going to show it to you, so forget you, Dad. And Mel Gibson's character snapped out of it, and he was more open to it. And it's like you said earlier, though, also, he kind of put himself into the father position. The son did. Yeah. yeah. So he already he had already, yeah, he's the already, proverbial balls to stand up to his dad at, like, 10 years old and say, listen, I'm not an idiot. Yeah, and he was looking out for the family. He was trying to do as much research so he could defend exactly. the, defend his family from it. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Mel Gibson, he, he could have been a lot more sympathetic, empathetic, whatever you want to call it, more open to these concepts. You, I mean, you see what's happening on the news. You see it for your own eyes, but you have your head so far up your ass that you're just like, <laughs> you know, oh, I see nothing. Yeah. Um, before we get too far, I know earlier you said that in the last meal scene, I also wanted to touch up on that one was, what would be your last meal? Hmm. Steak and lobster. Steak and lobster. Steak and lobster. That's a good combination. No, nothing else. No salad. No nothing. Just steak and lobster. Steak, lobster, and mushroom gratin. Mushroom gratin. Oh. What about you? Like, what up? Okay, so you remember that movie Twister? Yes. You know the scene where they go to Aunt Meg's and she butchers the cows out front? Mm hmm. That steak and eggs and mashed potatoes with brown gravy. Holy shit. <laughs> I want that meal so bad. And it takes up the whole plate that looks like a hubcap. Are you kidding me right now? Like, that's my meal. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, for me, for my last meal, I would definitely... I'm going to go with the Ninja Turtles pizza. Like, the one that has a super stringy cheese kind of style. Okay. But it has to be a cartoon version. No, like I've seen, <laughs> I've seen a couple of New York style pizzas that do it and really? stuff like that. Yes, I think it would be pizza. Just it just has to be super cheesy, where you have that pull, and it stretches out for like two miles, and then you finally able to eat it. Okay, well, why'd you ask this question? I'm hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have a little break, have a little lunch, <laughs> get some pizza. Um, do you think that Mel that if Mel Gibson had uh, had not cut off the the alien's fingers also. Do you think the alien would have still been there to talk to to be that toxin person? So, or do you think he would have vanished with the other ones? 
Hmm. I think he would have still been hostile. I think he would have still been in the closet. Well, how did he get out of the closet? That's a good point. So you're saying, like, if he didn't cut off his fingers, would he have just gone his own way to find his own people? Or instead of going back to Mel Gibson's house, stalking him, more or less, and retaliating? Yes. Because gotcha. everybody, everybody had, or all, not everybody, all the aliens had retreated by then. Mm-hmm. That's why Mel Gibson and them came out of back, came out of the basement because they it was safe. Everything was gonna be, it was more in the clear, and in doing so, the one the alien that got his fingers chopped off by Mel Gibson in the in the closet. It's the one that's on top of the kid that holds the kids hostage and is uh, fixing. The, he puts the the poison. toxin. Yeah, the poison. Yeah. So if that ha- if he hadn't done that, would the, would have the alien just gone away? And that scene would have not been. I feel, I feel he would have gone away. You think so? I think so. What about you, Minnie? I think he still would have been hostile. Still hostile? He, yeah. Uh, he would have still been hostile. But if, the... if they left him there, they left him there. They they didn't they didn't say, oh, shit, we got one more guy on the ground. They were like, you're on your own, Ace. And they zoomed out. <laughs> like... So also, M. Night Shyamalan, a character, uh, he plays a character in this movie. He does. He's the one that runs the wife over. And he he's also calling calling Mel Gibson's house constantly and then not saying anything and hanging up right away. Would you have gone back uh, gone and checked up on him like Mel Gibson did? Or would you have just ignored it? Well, see, I'm trying to remember right now why he went there in the first place to check up on him. Because he told him he was leaving and he said it's still in the closet. Yes. Yeah, but why did Mel Gibson go to the guy's house? Because he was sitting in the car, ready he to go. He wanted to know what was in the closet. Oh, because he called him. That's yeah, he right. called I, him. I forgot about that yeah, part. Yeah, he had that call. Because I was like, why is he just driving to his house no, randomly? No, no he, had that, he had that call, and he knew exactly who it was that called him. Got you. And I can't What remember. else did he say to him? He said something else. When in the vehicle scene? No, on, on the, the phone. phone. I can't remember on the phone call exactly what all was said. I th- I, it wasn't much, but it, it wasn't. Was, it wasn't. I don't even think. In, I don't even think anything was said at all. Because I want to say he maybe was like, "I need to talk to you" or something. Or he said something. I want to say. I believe so. I we'll, can't. We'll, we'll edit that part in here. Yeah. He said this. <laughs> That'll be next time. All right. <laughs> but um But anyways, what was your question? I'm sorry. Got sidetracked. We did get sidetracked. I lost my train of thought. Um the the, the would you have gone to see M Night Shyamalan's character if you got that phone call as well? Knowing what he did. Knowing what he did. To confront him pretty much is what he did. Yeah, I probably would. You would confront him? Mm-hmm. To see, you know, even though nothing can be done, you no, still would have gone. I would still, still need closure. Closure. Yeah. Gotcha. I would definitely still at least go talk to him. I may not, you know, punch him or anything or drag him out of the car or whatever, but I would at least, you know, want to know why. That's why people go to court whenever someone hits their child as a drug driver and kills them. And they want to know why. They want to know why, Jeffrey Dahmer, did you kill my son 
you know. And was M. Night Shyamalan's character, was he drunk whenever he was driving, or was he just uh, falling he was, asleep? He fell asleep. He was just fell asleep, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And that's whenever he, he, yeah, that's right. She was the one jogging. Mm-hmm. But the way that he said it, if he, if she wasn't there at that moment, if I would have driven 15 minutes later or 15 minutes uh, before, I would have missed her. And that's what they all say, though. What if? If yeah. only, if only. Yeah, which know? leads back to everything happens for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, honestly, many of you say it's for closure, and I totally agree with that. But you're not ever going to get that closure because either the person's not going to tell you or they're, you know, you're never going to feel that full closure like you expect to feel at the end of a great movie, you know? I understand, yeah. So, also, you know, whenever they went back, whenever they go into town, all the townspeople kind of give off a weird vibe. Or is it just me that gets They that? do. Mm-hmm. Is it, th- is it kind of like foreseeing that something bad is going to come and happen? Or is it just the way that this this town is, like, full of strange individuals? Especially, like, uh, signing up in the military scene, you know. Uh, yeah, that guy was so weird. Yeah, he was... He kind of pretty much said everything that was happening. Like, hmm. they're here, they're coming, sign up. Well, with M. Night Shyamalan movies, it's it's hard to tell, honestly. Like, what he's going for with the side back characters. Because they, they are so freaking weird sometimes, you know? Uh-huh. Look at Lady in the Water, look at The Village. True. You know, those those are great movies, but... They got some weird little side sub characters going on in the background, and is that just to increase the ick weird factor of this weird, creepy movie? I think so. Yeah, uh, it's one of the uh, it. It kind of plays back to the early movies, the black and white movies of UFOs, where even the the townspeople were off a little bit as weird, you know, because right. you know they were going through traumatic traumatic situations. And not everybody knew about it because they didn't have Facebook or anything like that. They just, they couldn't explain it and they didn't want to explain it because they didn't want to be treated as uh, strange individuals at times. I could see that. So, I mean, it's a, gr- it's a great scene. It, the townspeople and, uh, just, it gives you more of that, like, wanting to know more about the story. Well, that and everyone also, it's a very small town. We all come from a very small town where everyone knows everyone in it. And they know what has happened to Mel Gibson and his family. Look at, uh, he goes to the pharmacy and that teenage girl's like, I need to confess to you, father. Mm-hmm. I need to confess. And he's like, I'm not a father anymore. I'm, I don't do that anymore. And she's like, but I need to tell you because I'm afraid it's the end of the world. Because she's known him her entire life as pastor, as father. And um, all the people staring at them whenever M. Night Shyamalan's character is driving by and they're sitting in the diner eating the pizza, right? Yes. You can audibly feel all of the people in the diner just kind of staring at this family because they know the story because everyone knows everyone. It's a small town. Yes, I could see that. So judge, that, that judgment weird. definitely. I mean, yeah, we've been through different situations in our lives where we also walk into you know you. The the best one that I can think of is whenever I got a good sack in football, and the next day I walk into this cafe to have breakfast, and 
people, the coaches, and some other people are there that are you just previously watched the video and saw the, me the, get that sack, and of course they all watch me and walk in. And they're like, hey, yeah. They praise me as I walk in, and mm-hmm. it, it was it was the opposite of that kind of feeling, yeah. you know, whenever they walk in. They, they, it wasn't praises, and it wasn't like cheer for hope. It was more of, you know, everything that's happening to everybody in this town. Exactly, and whenever you're from a small town like that and you have a death in your family that everyone knows... It is a very much different feeling. You walk into a gas station just to get a soda, and you get hit with, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Yeah. And it just makes it all flood back again, and that goes into that family's trauma. Like, no wonder they're all the way they are. Because I'm sure every time he tried to have a normal day out with his family, Someone came up to him, either A, wanting to confess something to him, or B, are you okay? True. Also, you, earlier you were mentioning the basement scene where the, yes. the <laughs> where Joaquin Phoenix's character reaches down, uh, or no, not Joaquin Phoenix's character, I'm sorry, where the alien reaches down, grabs the kid, mm-hmm. and then they start covering, the next scene is them covering up every single entrance and hole and stuff, like in crevices, stuff like that. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix grabs a can of baked beans <laughs> yeah. and puts it on top and oh, sits yeah. back down. Yeah. Okay. See, that's that comedy. Yeah, that was a perfect kind of like, you just had a heart wrench, heart-wrenching moment. Here's a little comic relief because there's more could have come. Yeah. I mean, it was beautifully, beautifully put in that situation. Yeah, it's that comedic little break that you needed after shitting your pants, you know, exactly. pretty much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I don't know if you noticed or not, but the alien, um, they camouflage into their background. Yes, I saw that, because you couldn't see the hand or anything no. until it moved, and then you could you saw it turn grayish so as it touched him. even upstairs when he's holding the boy, and they're all like, oh, my God, and he's about to spray him. If you notice the alien's hand, whenever it shows that he's missing the two fingers and it's the alien that Mel Gibson cut the fingers off of, his hand is plaid that matches the boy's shirt. Mm-hmm. I didn't even notice that you part. You didn't notice that? I didn't notice that part. I was more, no- more <laughs> looking to the, the syringes getting the kid's face. Yeah, his his hand is all plaid. Oh, wow. Okay, I need to rewatch it then. <laughs> Dang. Little things you don't see. Easter the eggs. First time. <laughs> <laughs> But also in that same scene, the the son doesn't have his inhaler. What what happened to his inhaler? Do y'all remember? I mean, I think they said it was uh, upstairs. Yeah, but he always had his inhaler like any in his pocket kind of thing. What made him? Like I don't remember him taking it out of his pocket because mm. he did have a couple of episodes during before that scene where he grabbed it and. Yeah, he did, always he had it on his body. I would have to go back and watch closely. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I want to say dinner scene. Maybe he put it on the table or something. I don't know. I I'm making this up as I go, <laughs> but that would be a logical, you know, explanation as to why he didn't have it on him. Maybe he put it on the table when they were having dinner, and then they got distracted because right after that dinner scene, they go to the basement. Yeah. Because they hear the bumps from outside. 
Yeah, I think they actually were inside the house from the uh, upstairs. Were they? Yeah. Because they heard the shattering windows. Exactly. They, they were breaking in. They, mm-hmm. did, they, didn't, they didn't seal up one of the rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there was a scene that Bo, uh, I can't remember Bo, what happened to Bo, but she pretty much wakes up and is telling the brother, I, I don't want you to die. Do you remember that scene? Yeah, that was at the like the very beginning. Yeah, it was close to the very beginning. Wasn't it? Or was it's, it the beginning? Like middle, or middle-ish, middle-ish to beginning kind of area. Yeah, because he had already gotten the book. They, oh, I remember the scene. Okay, they got the book from the bookstore, and they turned the page, and he goes, "Oh wow, look at this. That kind of looks like our house." Or she says that looks like our house, and then she looks at him and says, "I don't want you to die." And he goes. Well, who said I was going to die? Exactly. And then she's just silent after that. So, was that her foreseeing something? I think like, so. I think she was a little, had a little premonition is that where the, in her. Is that where the <laughs> the autism comes from? I mean, I don't think so, but I think, um, I think she probably had visions, and I think the mother had visions. Oh. I didn't even think about that. That's why you think she, you think that's why at the end, at the scene where she gets crushed, she tells him that because she foresees what's going to happen. I don't think she really fully understands that she's having a premonition, but I mean, she's also close to death and people have been known to say, you know, things like that when they're close to death. Have you heard about that, Minnie? Yeah. That's a real thing? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is like, there any other any other situations or cases that you've heard about that happening? Um, not of people like predicting the future, but I have heard of like an elderly woman. She was on her deathbed, and her daughter was there with her. You know, her family's there with her to help ease her into you know, I guess death or whatever. And she keeps on looking past them to the corner of the hospital room, and they're like, "Mom, what are you looking at?" And she keeps saying, "I keep." Like, my babies are here, all of my babies. And all of the kids, they were like, we're right here, you know. But come to find out that mom that was passing, she had had like four or five miscarriages in her life. And she was seeing these children that had passed, and they were waiting for her to come with them. Wow. Yeah. I've heard of another phenomenon called the surge. And basically what it is... uh medical professionals will kind of know it um a sickly uh, patient will present signs of improvement and uh potential uh you know overtaking of, of whatever it is for a short period of time before actually expiring there's there's been alzheimer's patients like right there on the cusp of death that they um uh, they can start talking coherently again. Yeah, they regain were They can lucidity. sing songs. Well, isn't yeah. there, like, also situations where people come out of comas and they are able to play guitars or instruments that they didn't know before? Like they unlock something in their yeah, brain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there have been cases of that. They're not well documented, but there are some reports. I've heard of situations like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've heard about the surge as well. Working mm-hmm. at a nursing home... You hear about the surge a lot, and you hear about it comes in threes, and yeah. that's where I got the 
Alzheimer's analogy because that happened to one of the patients we had there. Yeah. And she was nonverbal the very end of her life. She was in her 90s. So she had severe Alzheimer's. And, you know, the further you get along with Alzheimer's before it eventually kills you is you revert back to, like, baby. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in one of those big long wheelchairs that's essentially a hospital bed and stuff and you're just nonverbal and you're not talking a whole lot you're a baby right well right it was probably about a day or two before she passed she starts singing she sings songs that she loves she sang elvis she started talking to people and looking people in the eye wow but then she passed away, and that's the surge that many is talking about. Gotcha. So, do you think that that scene of the wife getting crushed was that too much, or do you think it could have been played differently, like whenever she's in a garner kind of thing, getting hauled away, or did no, it, did it had to be they... done that way because whenever situations like that happen, the individual gets pinned, and the only thing holding them together is the pin. Understand, but like so, for for graphical reasons, like do you think they if they if they went the other way, or since they, they had her more on her realistic, gurney, she'd already be dead. Okay. If if they move the car, she dies within seconds. So you like the realism more aspect part? Yeah. Of so it. essentially, yeah. she's like hanging on by a thread. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, Minnie's right. If they would have moved the car like an inch or a centimeter, she like the blood flow would have stopped. And heart would have stopped, brain stopped, you know, and she'd be gone. Yeah, because he had that, the vision, when it finally gets completed, is at the very, almost close to the very end. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever, I, I think they're in the basement. And after the the kids scene is whenever he has this, the final scene, the final vision of the. Yeah, because completing. he's sitting there trying to make the boy breathe normal. Exactly. Yeah. And then they go upstairs and... Because that's when he's cussing God, saying, you're not doing this to me again. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they go. They finally go upstairs. Every, they think that everything's safe. Um, I believe they get something on the radio that they had downstairs that's, that was came back on. They actually had radio frequency and somebody stating that they're retreating. Yeah. Everything's going to be okay kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay to come back out. Yeah, the TV turned back on in that closet. That too. And the dad, Graham, he was like, bring it out, bring it out. You know, he's finally mellowed out. Everything is good. Everything is beautiful. We are finished. We're done. And you, you feel the same way. You're like, oh, finally everything. Is, yeah. Uh, oh, good story, good story, <laughs> great story. And then all of a sudden they put you in a chokehold with an alien holding on to your son as ransom, pretty much. In the screen of the TV, they don't even, like, that was one of the be- biggest jump scares. But that's another thing also is that they don't really show you the character, the evil character throughout this whole movie too much. They give you little glimpse, little, you know, visions here and there of its the body alien. parts. You know, it's a little blurry kind of thing. You don't see it, its full definition and yeah. stuff like that. You don't so, see its face. Exactly. So it gives you it gives you more of that, that uh, what do you call it, that you're, it use your own imagination aspect to, of this horror. And it's not so realistic as in, you know, E.T. It looks like E.T. walking around with, you know, gnarly teeth mm-hmm. or anything like mm-hmm. that. And I think that's great about the, uh, the director using those kind of like little, 
here and there, not the whole character in general. Right, exactly. Um, I, I don't know. Sometimes with monster movies, I've come to learn that the less you see of the monster, the better the movie. Mm-hmm. The suspense builds whenever you have to guess what does it really look like, what is it supposed to be. I've seen some movies where the monster's shown very early on and throughout the film. They're not bad, but the suspense just isn't there. Yeah. It's, you know, the it's chase gr- scenes where they're, they're running for their lives, okay, yeah, it's suspenseful. But whenever that's over, it's kind of like, okay, we can kind of we can kind of breathe for a minute. So my question is, and you're both about to cuss me out so bad, I already feel it. I've never seen the movie Alien. Why? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just have not. But I've seen enough clips of it to get the gist of it and know what happens, right? So my question is, in the movie Alien, how long into the movie before you saw the alien? Did they bring it out right at the beginning, or did it build up? Well, you saw the face huggers and the chest bursters pretty early on. Yeah, but like the um, full big alien that you see everywhere. The full big alien probably didn't make its appearance until three quarters of the way through the film. Okay. Yeah, it was, okay. It was, it was But a lot of the, the little side monsters you I, got to see before, right? Yeah, well, you got to see its birth pretty much, its first stages of its being a uh, face sucker at the very beginning and how it evolves into finally becoming the alien three-fourths of the quarter or three-fourths of the way into the movie okay. where it's finally a full-set alien kind of uh, suit and everything. Um, and then, of course, you got Alien 2, 3, and 4, and so, and right, so right, on. Right. That, and I you mean, already, already know. Yeah, they already have, they're already playing them right off the bat. Because, see, I know I've never seen Alien, like I said, but I know that great extraterrestrial movies that they do what M. Night Shyamalan did, where you don't really see it until a little over halfway through towards the end. Because, like, going back to Close Encounters of the Third Kind... You don't see the alien until it walks out of the ship at the very end of the movie when everyone else is walking out. Because you're just you're using your imagination the entire time yeah, yeah. trying to well, figure out why are they taking these people and what is happening. I mean, you also had movies like Cloverfield. Oh, God. I forgot about that Cloverfield. Movie? That was, I mean, you, re- you saw a POV version of somebody running away from aliens and the alien invasion. And you saw like very small glimpse of this huge ginormous mega uh, structure or entity that was moving throughout the city. Yeah, you never ever saw it, but you saw the destruction it did. Exactly. And like the big famous scene, they're on the street, and then all of a sudden they're like, "What the hell is that coming towards us?" <laughs> and it's the head of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Like just shimmying across the road, and you're like, "What just did?" <laughs> <laughs> it's Godzilla. Yeah, right. <laughs> Godzilla's another good one. They yeah. like what is it, the first Godzilla? They didn't really show it. Yep, he was yeah, none none until like halfway through the movie is whenever he finally came out. Yeah, because I remember being pissed. I'm like, I came here to see Godzilla, not a bump <laughs> in the water. I'm like, what is this? All I'm saying is Cloverfield versus Godzilla. I'd I'd watch it. <laughs> I didn't like Cloverfield. I I got sick watching that movie because it was like a Blair Witch esque. Yeah, it's, type it, movie. it's it has its own followers. It's it's definitely a different genre of mm-hmm. movie. And that's my other question to y'all. Do y'all this was a sci fi horror horror quotation movie. 
Okay. Do y'all call it? Would y'all call it that, or would y'all just be more of it's a sci-fi suspense? Sci-fi suspense. I say sci-fi thriller, honestly. Thriller. Okay. Not horror by any means. No, yeah. Alien is horror. <laughs> you know, I I wouldn't call signs. I wouldn't call anything by M Night Shyamalan horror. Yeah. It was definitely a thriller for me as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was... Psychological I, thriller, a lot of them. Psycho, it was psychologically a little bit of a race, um, but it was mostly that suspenseful, jumpy kind of feeling. Because you anticipated most of the scenes. You knew what was going to happen, not, not just because I watched it for the 17th time, but <laughs> because you, you kind of like... You followed movies, so you kind of see where the plots are going. It's It's the same kind of... Uh, mixture of chemistry mm-hmm. in this, you know you have your your sad character that's going to have this amazing uh, this development with uh, something going on that's going to be a traumatic traumatic to make them see this new opening kind of aspect I just I love the storytelling aspect of M. Night Shyamalan and I feel that he's really inspired like uh, what's his name Jordan Peele you know he's the director of Get Out and yes. Us and stuff, and I mean I just I feel that he's really you know just opened the game for people like that and yes, new definitely. directors coming out and making new psychological thrillers because I don't feel Jordan Peele's movies are horror either, even though that's what they're classified as. Mm. They're more psychological thrillers as well. Look at Get Out. I mean, yeah, it was a little gory there at the end, but. That was an excellent, excellent movie. It was. It really was a great movie. I mean, there wasn't really much... I don't know. For me to classify a horror is... I'm thinking... Um, Freddy. Freddy Krueger. Uh, slasher right. kind of slasher thing. Slasher movies. Gory. I want guts pouring out. That's horror to me. Like, um, what's another great one? With the cube? Um, Hell, Hellraiser. Hellraiser. That's a horror yeah, it is. I mean, mm-hmm. those are horror movies to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. So whenever I I saw horror, sci-fi horror, I'm like, is Mel Gibson going to get his guts You're going to see an alien scratch someone. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> yeah. Is, is Joaquin Phoenix all of a sudden his head going to pop off and the alien's going to be right behind him with his tail well, whipping, see, you know? When it comes to alien stories and folklore and stuff like that, that is a horror to a lot of people. Maybe not to us, because we're so jaded, first of all. But, <laughs> like, it it is a nightmare for a lot of people. You know, and that's essentially what it, these directors are going for. I am trying to get what you see in your nightmares onto the screen. Not only that, but they also did it very well, because during that, those times, and a little bit before those times, in the uh, late 90s and the early 2000s, there was crop circles. Yeah. That's whenever the they we were doing they were doing big crop circles regardless if they were fake or real or whatever, but it was very very huge in the news and publicized and socialized. Mm-hmm. Um, the director did this movie; it correlated very well with this movie. Um, do y'all think that if it would have been played at a different time, it would have been it would have revenue different amount of money? Hmm. Like, so, like, if they would have made the movie in, like, let's say, 1992? Yes, early 90s. Something? Early 90s, when or whenever John Travolta was huge. In the 70s? Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> if you made those kind of movies during those times, 
you think it would still bring the same amount of revenue or would it be too ahead of its times or was it even too much ahead of its time in 2002 already? No, I don't think it was ahead of its time. Um, I'm not sure. It, it, you know, timing is a weird thing because, for instance, whenever they did the original release, uh, the 1960s version, um, it was really big on uh, radio, but... Are you talking War of the Worlds? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was but the theatrical science. adaptation wasn't as, as popular. As we've progressed with all of our stuff, it's no longer as big on the radio, but now it's big in the theaters. So they might have done better with timing. I'm not sure what all was coming out at the same time period, what they had competition-wise. Uh, mm. That would, would, I think, be a big factor. Gotcha. I think... Um it was ahead of its time, honestly. Just for the simple fact that in those days, it was made in, what did you say, 2005? It was released in 2005? No, 2002. 2002? Yeah, it was released in 2002. Okay, so, you know, yeah, there was a lot of crop circle speculations and stuff like that going on in the news, but it was all, oh, you crazy conspiracy theorists you know, being mocked and made fun of, as opposed to today, where those conspiracy theorists are very much correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the, guy, the homeless guy at the, end, in the street with the end of the world, the aliens are coming. Exactly. He, he was right. He was right the whole time. <laughs> Look at all the other things that have been coming out that has been, oh, you're just a crazy conspiracy theorist, and... You know, it's really happening now. Climate change is real, you know, stuff like that, that people have been naysaying for years. So I feel it was ahead of its time. And if it came out today, it would be a box office smash. That's what exactly what I was going to say as well. I mean, you're just, you're getting the words out of my head and putting them into your mouth and spitting them out. <laughs> it I happens. hate you for that. <laughs> but, Premonition. <laughs> but honestly, yes, I mean, if the movie was, it was played well, back in the day solely because like I said it just the events fell for it perfectly for it to be released in 2002 and it to be a box office not I mean Mel Gibson he was on his prime during those times as well I mean Mm -hmm. he wasn't like his prime prime but he was still up there like he was in his prime going down that was before he had his meltdown yes of course but I mean he still was holding on in there and he was very well respected as a as a director that was coming up and a actual actor still. He was still writing the coattails of his action flicks yes. from the 90s. Because him, Schwarzenegger, you know, they were all huge in the 90s, Stallone. I mean, he did some of his own stunts in some of the action uh, movies. Of mm-hmm. uh, You'll have to get into Lethal Weapon Lethal later. Lethal Weapons, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, that, that's a really good movie. I've seen that one. <laughs> I just haven't seen the sequels. Maybe we can get you back to uh, talk about Lethal Weapon. Maybe, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I love Danny Glover, you know. <laughs> I'm too old for this. <laughs> but, I mean... Well, he was he was a, he was coming up. He was a great director, or a great director and a great actor. He did his own stunts. I mean, Mel Gibson was still pretty good character. But could you see any other character being that? Could I see any other actor any, being sorry, that character? Any other actor being? I feel you. I get you. Don't worry. No, I got me flustered. <laughs> 
I mean, they could have had anyone do it, but he picked Mel for a very good reason because he knows how to be any type of actor there is, honestly. I mean, I think it was either a couple of years before Signs or maybe it's a couple of years after. I think it was after Signs. He did that one movie, What Women Want, where he can uh, hear the women's thoughts and they're all like, ooh, look at his butt, you know? And he can hear his daughter's thoughts where she wants to go to prom with her boyfriend and she's considering having sex with him for the first time that night. And he rightfully so flips the hell out because he can hear his daughter's thoughts. <laughs> yeah, that was, you know, a two, so, that was a 2000, uh, 2000 movie, actually. It, so it was before Signs. Yes, it actually was before Signs. So, that, I mean, that shows his range. Yes. Honestly, like, he's funny. He was funny in Lethal Weapon. He had very big comedic moments. Yeah, you know? he was a comedic relief in, yeah, in, in those movies. But and he has the, great timing. And he, if the autism aspect was, like, supposed to be in there but not said but you know i mean he did really well at portraying that he did you know if if m night Shyamalan wanted that to be you know the i'm not saying it but i'm saying it not only that but uh mel gibson and joaquin both being brother and brothers together mm -hmm. they really did play a good good brothers uh role they I mean, had good chemistry yeah i mean you could definitely tell the tension whenever one was having an, an issue, the other one had to step it up, or vice versa. Uh, one had to be, uh, you know, helped up a little bit, and it's solely because, it's, you know, it's the brother. You need you need direction at the time. So. Well, I mean, just look at the scene where they were, uh, all four of them are on the couch in the dark watching TV. They're watching the news. And then Joaquin Phoenix's character looks over at Mel Gibson, and he pretty much asks the question you asked earlier, saying, do you think things happen for a reason? And Mel Gibson very sternly, but almost lovingly, looks at him and he was like, I don't feel that anything happens for any type of reason. You know, and he goes into that monologue, that so big touching monologue that he has with Joaquin Phoenix. And it's just heartbreaking because he has just lost all of his hope, it feels like. Yep. And it's Joaquin just keeps looking at him with tears filling up in his eyes. And that's just one of the most heartbreaking scenes. Like, M. Night Shyamalan did really well at portraying human emotions. He really did. In I that mean, movie. Not only that, but the actors themselves, as Mel Gibson and Joaquin, I mean, both of them definitely definitely put some heart into those into that scene oh man uh, you could definitely tell i mean well if we're gonna talk about the actors the kids did really good too yeah oh, they were wonderful they did they? amazingly oh and um, to be that age yeah uh, the little girl albeit she didn't have a whole lot of scenes or input she did have some important parts and then the little boy <coughs> the little boy seemed to have kind of a developmental part Yes. Um, for both the the dad and for Meryl and uh, uh, yeah, it was it was good for all of them. And even mm -hmm. his, even himself as a character, he developed quite well. I mean, he went from uh, I'm I'm the man of the house to actually letting his dad be the man of the house and him being consulted by his father. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So and Meryl, his character development was just unreal as well, because he started off as just you know selfish i feel sorry for myself yep. pity me poor poor me and then he started seeing that family was a lot more important yes and he 
he was backing up Mel Gibson's character a lot because of that, because he started seeing those kind of situations. Both of those men had very good character development in that movie. So, mm-hmm. overall, what is y'all's ratings in this movie? Let's Maybe. start with you, Minnie. I'd give it an 8.5. Is that a new rating? (laughs) No, I just... He glitched a little bit. I hesitated. I want to say 8.5 because I do have a few, you know, hold-ups with the movie. Is it more realism hold-ups or character hold-ups? What's your hold-ups on it? My biggest one is the water. Well, the, the water, the, the, yeah. The tiny, the tiniest, you know, little human thing can disrupt them, and it just doesn't make sense. Understandable. Uh, but aside from that, uh, the movie's good overall. I don't know something about Mel Gibson. Just he can never be a ten. Oh, <clears throat> okay. So if if it was more of a um, <clears throat> take me to your leader movie, Aliens. I forgot the name of that. Invading, invading aliens and then Mars like, attacks. Mars attacks. Yes. If it was more like <laughs> I was that joking. Movie, isn't it Mars attacks? Whenever take me to your leader and then they shoot them. The funny one. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is Mars attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it was more like that, would you have enjoyed it? Because they would be more like shooting humans, aliens, going back and forth. Mm, probably not. I, <laughs> I didn't particularly find that movie all that funny. No. Okay. No. Did you ever see the aliens in Independence Day? Yes. You got to see the aliens in that movie? Yeah, there was little, little things. That they weren't little, they were big. No, they were big, but whenever they opened up the heads... Oh, yeah. ...is whenever there's a small little alien on top of the head that was mm. controlling them. Really? Yes. I don't remember that part. I just remember the pivotal scenes where, you know, it destroys the White House. <laughs> <laughs> that and Will Smith going, i got to give me one of these. Yeah, exactly. Him flying around the yeah, thing. And yeah. then the dog, the bad, bad special effects of the dog, the golden retriever, you know, and the, the tunnel. He was trapped in the car, and they finally get him out of the car or something, and the tunnel, like explodes in the fire and Will Smith's wife and kid are sitting there and they're like there's the dog and, you know, <laughs> and the dog is like leaping through the fire towards them hey he's a Will Smith dog this of course he's gonna air bud damn dog you know <laughs> you, you, don't talk about my bone don't keep my bone out of your mouth <laughs> <laughs> what would you rate it um I would rate the movie Signs and honestly, I'm going to rate it a 9, just because it could be played, like you were saying, it could be played in 2002, it could be played in nowadays, in 2023, in 2028, in the future, it's still going to be a playable, because you have your religion aspect, you have your your wandering aspect, you have your, your aliens aspect, mm-hmm. all intertwined into one movie. I mean, it's right. a well-put movie, like you said, um... Uh, the director had a nice puzzle to make you want to watch the movie from the beginning all the way to the end. Okay. To find out what it was. It wasn't a, here's what happened, now let me tell you why this happened. Right. So I would probably give it like a 7.5, honestly. honestly. The acting was very good in it. You know, to a point, it kind of lulled here and there. You know, like, I like the monologue scene, but it did drag on a little too long. 
in it, my yeah, opinion. It wasn't a John Wick, definitely, movie. <laughs> right. No Extraction 2. <laughs> or Extraction 2. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I would give it, like, a 7.5, almost an 8, just because, I mean, it, it could have gone a lot, a little bit faster. Gotcha. For my liking. Okay. Uh, any other thoughts on the movie that everyone talk about? I'm surprised they didn't make a science too, honestly. Well, I mean, the, the <laughs> aliens are going to come back unless they have Aliens some... come back and they're in wetsuits. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> then you do have Mars Attack. That's whenever the Mars Attack happens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what about you, Minnie? Do you have anything else to add to the movie? No. I don't either. Well, my name is Ray. I'm LaGuardia. Minnie Eric Thanks for hearing us.